With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, well, welcome everybody to this very special recording of Screen Talk from the cozy Kickstarter house at the Sundance Film Festival. They're helping us out by giving us a nice fireplace to sit to sit down next to in the middle of this crazy snowstorm in between screenings. Um, so I'm here with Ann Thompson, and uh, we're anticipating a whole bunch of stuff that's about to screen at the festival, but it feels like we've been here for months. I think it's been like <laughs> four days or something like that, and a lot of stuff has already happened. So we're just going to talk through a couple of the kind of highlights of sorts from that cycle of news that comes out on a daily basis. The biggest story probably being the $12 million deal that Amazon made for The Big Sick. This was a movie that we anticipated would sell big. Everybody knew that was going to happen. We saw the buyers huddling outside the the premiere, and lo and behold, it happened. Now, I really like this movie. It's a great showcase for Camille Nanjiani, but... And you should talk us through this a little bit. Last year, Amazon spent $10 million for Manchester by the Sea. That was a lot of money. Now they come back with even more. Is it worth it? Well, what they did was they made a bet on a theatrical uh, release and an Oscar campaign for Manchester by the Sea, and they did so well with that 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 weighed with Judd Apatow, the producer, and the people who were selling the movie, and they wanted all the bells and whistles. They wanted social media. They wanted creative marketing. They wanted um, a, a robust theatrical campaign, uh, and they're going to probably come out this summer. And I think the movie, too, I loved it, and I think it's beautifully done. It's authentic. It's a true story. It's a romance. It's a comedy. It has emotion. It's going to play well for lots of audiences around well, the country, it, and I think they'll get their money it's back. It's a crowd pleaser in a way that Manchester was not. Manchester, we said, was so depressing. This one's very funny. It's it's sweet. It's a tearjerker of sorts. Maybe not an Oscar player in that sense, more of maybe a summer release or something like well, that. Look, this, they're going to try to make a hit out of it and see where the chips fall. Uh, they know what they're doing. And and it's, it's a testament to someone like Bob Burney, who has been a veteran theatrical campaigner for a long time. Also, Roadside was part of the Manchester success, Roadside Attraction. So we'll, we'll be curious to see who the uh, theatrical partner is going to be on this one, probably Roadside. So that's not the only relatively significant deal to come up. There's some new players around and people who are just starting to establish themselves in this landscape. I mean, Amazon kind of established themselves last year. This year you have somebody like uh, Tom Quinn and Tim League's new company, Neon, um, which uh, bought uh, this movie, Ingrid Goes West, with Aubrey Plaza. Now, she has two movies here. One of them is one of several nuns movies. Yes, The Little Hours. Nuns Go Bad movies. The kinky nuns <laughs> genre. <laughs> little Hours. So, uh, and, and Ingrid Goes West is a very L.A. movie. Uh, very, again, very accessible. It's funny. It's a, a commentary on Instagram. Aubrey Plaza is playing a stalker, and Elizabeth Olsen is the object of her affections, if you like. 
And, and I'm just sort of curious about what you know it means when a company gets behind something like that because it's their first acquisition, at least since they've you know said who they are, and, and you know it's it should on some level send a message. You know, okay, this is what we're looking for. Well, it's partly the Alamo brand, too. I imagine they're fa they know what they're doing in terms of what plays in those in Tim League's theater chain. Skew's young. It's sort yep. of funky. Of South course, by. the people who have really capitalized on that demo the last few years is A24, and they have this great movie here, A Ghost Story, which is, I think, David Lauer's best movie. Really cool, minimalist thing he shot for no money in Dallas, and uh, they saw it on the basis of footage. I saw it Actually, early. He made a music video. He made them. a music video. It was super and, innovative. And, uh, they they figured out that A24 was a good partner and and saw, you know said you should buy this movie and on the basis of the video they they did they because it's Casey Affleck in a sheet with two holes in, for eyes which it turns out is a very sophisticated piece of design and engineering. I was I was watching it with fascination throughout the movie. Also, draped in a certain you way. You know more than flows. that. More than that. I think what's great about it is that it. It obviously costs nothing, and it doesn't distract you because of that. It, it doesn't look cheap because the story and the way that the narrative is designed, it's supposed to be very minimalist. I mean, a long it's shot of uh, <laughs> Rooney Mara eating a pie for like five minutes doesn't require much more than getting Rooney Mara to eat a pie for five minutes, but it's a very effective scene. And everything they used, they sort of had deals with different kinds of people. I just love that because I think on some level there is a danger in an environment like this where people come in and the expectation is your movie's going to sell big. How do we get into that narrative? And I think there's, there's something else that people don't notice quite as often, which is that sometimes you do something super cool for no money because you don't need it, and that's good enough. I was just talking to the guys who founded Spectre Vision, Elijah Wood and, and his um, creative partners, and, um, Which is a horror film releasing yeah, company. And they just opened up their, their um, sensibilities with another company called Company X, which is the producing films that aren't straight genre. So they have a midnight film here called Bitch, which is from Mariana Palka, who was here a few years ago with a movie called Good Dick. So she has a penchant for risque titles. And you know maybe that's commercial. But it's a, it's a crazy movie about this uh, bored domestic housewife who turns into a dog. She starts acting like a dog one day. And her husband, Just, uh, Jason Ritter, has to learn how to take care of the family. And what are the special effects there? A woman acting like a dog and a pretty good Jason Ritter performance. You know, it hasn't sold yet, but it doesn't necessarily need a huge audience to sort of achieve its goals. And so I find that part of Sundance to be something that, you know, it doesn't get captured by the sort of mythology of it. Everybody wants those big deals, but there's more going on here. And I do think that we are seeing a pretty healthy ecosystem for different kinds of movies based on, you know, how they're made and who they're designed for. I'll be curious to see what happens with Mudbound, which is Dee Reese's uh, follow-up to Pariah. It took her a few years to get there, but I, I have to say I was surprised by the scale and scope of this post-World War II Southern family drama uh, and the really good acting. Uh, it's it's almost like a, a classic studio movie that could have been made 40 years ago in terms of the scope, in terms of the cast. It's really beautiful. It, I, did, I wasn't totally with it for the first 20 minutes or so because there's so many characters, but she does pull it off with this really amazing dynamic between a black family and a white family in the Deep South. And uh, what I thought was really great about that is that it's been so long since Pariah. You know, and there was there's such a conversation Did about... Bessie, which was an Emmy-winning thing on television. Right. I mean, she hasn't been dormant, but it does feel like making up for missed time on some level. She had been one of those filmmakers any of which are men who start to make you know, one movie a year or something like that, this would have been a natural place for her to wind up. So you know, she got there anyway. And that, that was really great to see. She got multiple standing ovations at the premiere. Um, so, so it's been an interesting year for that kind of stuff to get out there. I mean, most of the things that we expected to do well seem to be getting good receptions. There haven't been a lot of big duds, as it were. 
Um, and, and that's that's nice. I think that the programmers really do think through how things are going to play here, and you feel like you're experiencing the story they've written for you. Well, last night I got to see The Grateful Dead on Main Street, what's left of them, of course, uh, at this Amazon With Woody Harrelson, I believe? strange trip, and Woody Harrelson came up and, and uh, did, did a good job uh, <laughs> with an old Elvis Presley, too. I bet the performance was shorter than the documentary about them, which I believe is four hours long, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-oh, I'm supposed to see it later tonight. <laughs> it starts at like eight, ends in the wee hours of the next morning, but Amazon has that one. Well, so maybe I'll have to be at the Synetic party instead. <laughs> That's the funny thing about Sundance, is that you have the Main Street world and all the social activity, and then the movies in the middle of all this crazy snowfall. But there's people talking to people, and the Synetic party, of course, uh, every year uh, up at Zoom, uh, there's, a, there's an upstairs room where all the sellers and the buyers and the filmmakers are all sort of doing the post-weekend analysis of what happened and all the deals that went down. Yeah, and then the, the the week keeps going. A lot of the industry drops off by Tuesday, but there is this sense of, you know, okay, so what can we bookmark for those later screenings? We just ran a story today that I thought was really interesting with Miguel Arteta looking back on when his first film... You say so yourself, because you wrote it. I wrote I know. He did most of the talking, so... And I'll give our founder, Eugene Hernandez, credit, because it was based off of a story he did on Star Maps 20 years ago, um, selling it at Searchlight, which was an early exclusive for us, but... Uh, what I thought was really interesting about that was just this idea of going into the festival with no expectations, not even knowing you know, how a deal is made, and then all of a sudden all this infrastructure comes together around you. And, and I feel like that seems to happen each time no matter what because the infrastructure has been consistent. You know, Unlike, say, uh, the U.S. government, it's not like every couple of years an asteroid hits the Earth and we have to start from scratch. You know, So there, there is something that I think is kind of nice that you know, on the 20th anniversary of Star Map selling... Miguel Arteta has another movie here, Beatriz at Dinner, which is looking for distribution. So, you know, it's, it's that kind of continuity that I do really appreciate about this environment. And that movie's produced by Christine Vachon, one of the sort of Sundance veterans who was here with four movies last year, which she sold, and she has four more to sell this year. Exactly. So, I mean, a lot of these people are still in the game. And sure. it's, it's not a question of, you know... Her old partner, Ted Hope, is one of the Amazon people. Exactly, and, and Bob Bernie's there as well. So the, the veterans don't exactly drop out. They just keep evolving. It's um, the nature of our business, adapt or die. Exactly. And uh, also the Women's March, I have to say, was a beautiful, lovely thing. My daughter and I were there together with a lot of people, uh, and it went really well. I have never been so cold in my life without realizing it, because you, there was such an adrenaline rush being in that crowd. And I ran to the front of it, too. And I saw this Jeremy Renner movie here, Wind River, about how if you run in the snow, your lungs explode or something. So I was kind of freaked out, but I knew I needed to see the front of that march. And it was great. You know, Chelsea Handler and uh, Laurie David and all these people just surrounded by cameras. And by the time I got to the front, the march had expanded. So when we, we arrived and there were all these amazing speeches by Jessica Williams, by Kimberly Pierce, um, I couldn't even tell how many people were there. And then later the parks uh, officials reported 8,000 people, which is amazing when you consider how small that space is. A lot of them were coming in from local areas and from Salt Lake City. It was not just the, the festival crowd. Yeah, and, and I do and think... You saw John Legend and Kristen Stewart and, and Laura Dern and people like that, but there was a, a real local Utah crowd there, too. And in the climate and the immediate aftermath of the inauguration, movies might seem to some people to be kind of small, uh, but I do think that uh, there is something to be said for... Uh, the nature of creativity at a time when people feel very challenged by, you know, oppressive forces in the government because uh, the, the community could not be more stronger when it's being pressured to stick together. So that was really cool. 
Um, well, the real cliffhanger is how you and I are going to get back to our condo. <laughs> we are up in the mountains in a, the middle of a blizzard, and I looked like a mountain man when I got here with like snow piled on my hat and my coat. And now I'm going to have to go down this precipitous flight of stairs to get back to I civilization. I do think, as, as fun as Sundays is, it is engineered to destroy you like some great practical joke Robert Redford designed 30 years ago and is now playing out. <laughs> Because if the snow doesn't get you, the lack of sleep will get you, or too many movies, or the parties. You know, it all collapses, but somehow we get to the end of the day. So I am getting my snow driving practice this year. <laughs> and, and, and snow shoveling practice, let's Indeed. be clear. Yep. To be continued. Bye. Well, it's a few days later, and now we have some Oscar nominations to talk about. So we got up at the crack of dawn. You, you, you did the snubs and surprise. Basically, they changed the way that they announced the Oscars. So we were just looking at the scroll of um, each category as it came up, and then they were doing these sort of stupid promos. I know. I felt like I was watching some reality show or something. But like Guillermo del Toro was going to talk about some relationship fight he had or something. It was and they just you a so strange. Anyway, <laughs> so we got we figured him out, and the top of the right off the bat, I was sort of surprised there were some craft nominations for passengers yeah um i was surprised that mel gibson did get a director's nomination the craft thing is actually really interesting because the below the line things seem like they're they're harder to predict right because there's a wider range of possibilities there you can so. look at the guilds and see what they do that's how i figure them out i didn't do too badly i came in third on gold derby among yeah the pretty impressive it, nobody lost too much money if they were betting in your eyes I don't think people bet too much on nominations, but anyway, the the idea was um, to look at at some of the bigger in the craft categories, you know, Doctor Strange and and uh, Suicide Squad and right and, things that aren't necessarily well liked, yeah, you know. So so you know, but the Hacksaw Ridge did very well with like six nominations. Lion, Lion did well as well. The, both of those movies were always question marks, right? They were never surefire things like that trifecta of Moonlight, La La Land, and Manchester that we've been talking we about We knew for that so would happen. And in fact, La La Land 14, as expected, just Made exactly history. what I was predicting, yeah. and uh, tying with Titanic and, and All About Eve. And then you had um, Manchester with six and Moonlight with eight and Arrival with eight. And so that's a very strong showing for, for Moonlight. And they got an editing nomination, which yeah. Manchester did not get. I even heard somebody at A24 at a party earlier this week estimating six to eight nominations. That was really what they were targeting. So they, they got everything yep. that they could hope for. Exactly. So, so you have a very, you know, you have Barry Jenkins is going to win uh, adapted screenplay for Moonlight. Uh, Lonergan's going to win original screenplay. Worth noting Jenkins made Manchester. history just by being a, an African American to get director and screenwriting together. That's right. So that's right. And and uh, he follows a very short list of of uh, African American directors at the nominee. And it's nice that even though it was a, a curious or questionable decision to put him in the adapted category and we talked about that before, now that he's there, both he and Lonergan both are front Get to winners. win. Yeah, right. exactly. And, and you know, you, you can expect Casey Affleck and Mahershala Ali and Viola Davis We to, could have had this conversation last and week. Emma Stone <laughs> in all likelihood on the women's. Now, that, the, that incredibly competitive women's race. That's an interesting category. Rather than have five white actresses 
they did in fact put in Ruth Nega for for loving, and, and she's totally great deserved. in that movie. She, and she's totally. such a, I mean, but I've the movie this, itself lost some sure. momentum. Uh, oh, it didn't get right. Whatever it momentum it had, sort of crystallized with her appreciation yes. of her, and she does embody that movie. You know, the kind of quiet resolve of the movie is her face in a lot of ways. When you contrast it with the badass character she plays on Preacher, you see how much range this actor has. So even though it wasn't my favorite movie of the year, I, I do think it's great that she's in that category, as opposed to Amy Adams, who I, I know there was a lot of support for her, and I was surprised to see that, but I didn't think that she was pulling off something quite on the same level. So I, I, I was actually much happier to see Ruth Nega if it was between the two. One regard. would assume that in an ordinary year, Amy Adams having been nominated five times right. before right. would um, would would be in the, and I'm sure it was very close, but I'm sure it was between, you know, I, I, think, I think that was the fifth slot that was being fought for. Um, you couldn't deny Meryl Streep after the Golden Globe speech. Right. You couldn't deny uh, Emma Stone and Natalie Portman. So, But don't forget um, about Isabel Huppert. And Isabel Huppert got in there. So the other... One who got left out, sadly, was Annette Benning for 20th Century Women, which I thought was just one of the great performances. It got a screen, an original screenplay nomination for Mike Mills. So that I thought would happen. Token acknowledgement of sorts, but that's about it. So. And Jackie just picked up a couple of things in the in the craft category. Well, as you well. called that a while ago. Yeah. So so basically, um, the, the the Academy sent an enormous, powerful, strong message, which which was a message a message of inclusion. Um, and they also had a lot to work with. They did. So. The, these were films, unlike last year, these were films that were perfect for the Academy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they were they were all strong stories. And told. they didn't even need Birth of a Nation, you no. know, after all of that. So that's, that's a nice sort of to come full circle one year after Birth of a Nation was riding the waves of Oscars so white to get at a point where you don't need a single movie, which some people like, some people don't like to kind of just represent the, the solution to all your problems because there's plenty of places to look around for these things. So, so Amazon got its first uh, Best Picture nomination, uh, CBS Films with Hell or High Water. Got Very cool to see one. that movie in there. You know, four, a, a four fun genre movie. Yep. And, uh, and then you have um, the, on the director side, it was not Garth Davis who got in for Lion. It was... Um, Denny Villeneuve for Arrival, Mel Gibson, as you said before. That was the surprise. And then you have Lonergan and Jenkins. And Chazelle. And Chazelle. And And Chazelle will win. That seems like a no-brainer, which is so interesting with all these veterans and so many different kinds of movies. You know, I mean, he's been so well-liked that I suppose he's had this kind of front-runner status for a while. Probably for Gibson, it feels like some sort of a... Redemption. Yeah, redemption. He's back in the club. Although, remember, this is the director... Well, there's two ways of looking at that. Obviously, Hacksaw Ridge had support through the categories. Wouldn't have gotten so many otherwise. Got to Best Picture, which means lots of people from all over the Academy voted for it passionately. Mm-hmm. And But the director nomination, that branch is a very foreign branch. It has a lot of people from overseas. It's not so American, of all of them. Right, right. So they're likely to cast a wider net. As the Golden or... Globes did. Yeah, yeah. very interesting. I've, and, I've and seen people to... saying that the Golden Globes, you could feel their influence or, or sort of the template that they laid out more this year. In well, years. as 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 I, as I always say, it's a question of having uh, influence on the momentum on on the on the winners. I mean, Emily Blunt didn't show up here. Uh, you know, there are all sorts of you know, the SAG nominations weren't exactly the same. Um, 
Vigo Mortensen did. So yeah. that was that you was... got that category exactly right. It was super cool. I mean, it, it certainly it would be a shock if he won, but to have him in that category is pretty neat. And I mean, the lobster a, got a got a screenplay and nomination. Then that's great. I mean, that's like you couldn't ask for. I mean, any any acknowledgement of that movie when all this other stuff going on is is pretty cool. So. I'm on board with that one. Although, if it wins over over the one that's a favorite to that category, I'm sure a lot of people will be totally uh, totally surprised. But so Michael Shannon is. got in. That was a surprise because because they had gone. You know, other people had gone with with uh, either Jake Gyllenhaal, BAFTA, right. or with Aaron Taylor Johnson, the Golden Globes. But so, people like Michael Shannon. If you're going to acknowledge this anything, is totally this Academy. This is, yeah. you know, the, the, he's a more he's a more respected actor. Let's put it. I mean, not, I mean, Jake is too, but that he wasn't in contention here. Um, let's see. Uh, that's well. We should look at the foreign language too. I mean, that there, there was all this conversation about you know what didn't make the cut on that short list. And now it's pretty predictable what wound up on, on, on that list with Land of Mine. So in Classics has two movies, Land of Mine and Tony Erdman. Salesman got in. That's another Amazon title. Then you have Tana from Australia and A Man Called Uva. We've been saying that A Man Called Uva, which I still haven't seen, and now I promise I will, uh, is the front runner there. It but, is. Uh, it's not. It's not a. It's not a done. I've just deal. talked to too many people who who I don't think that Tony Erdman plays that well at home. Well, it's a tough sit. You see parts. what I mean? It's long. Um, and that's part of the challenge here. And if but you see it in this a is theater, a category where a lot of different random things can happen, right? I mean, Land of Mine is a very watchable movie, too. This is the whole Academy voting now. True. So they get the screener sent to them at home. Land of Mine is really accessible, really good, really moving, well-acted, beautiful. Man Called Uva, very accessible, older, grumpy old man guy right, 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 and, and right. who reaches, you know, who keeps trying to commit suicide. Right. Salesman you know? is more like people like it, Farhadi. But so. it's also, but, but it's also, it has a very complicated sort of flashback structure. It's not, it's not a simple movie. Right. It's very well executed. Right, right, right. Tana is Aboriginal Romeo and Juliet in, in, in the Outback. Right. Um, Great pitch. I don't and know if it's, 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 it's actually good. Is it's it? very good. And then The Salesman is this extremely complicated what you would expect from Asghar Farhadi uh, very interesting marital dynamics uh, where, where a wife is assaulted in the shower right. and, and her husband has to deal with it and second nomination for him he won for separation so you know it just kind of shows that there's a certain foregone conclusion in that sense that he was going to be a part of this conversation whether or not people are you know in love with this movie and one can assume that Tana is included in this top five um, on some level to leaven the whiteness of this category it does make a difference yeah if someone last year during Oscar the whole Oscar so white thing this was probably the most diverse category so it's sort of ironic in that sense and then we get to documentary feature where um, there were so many good movies sorry wiener so four (laughs) out of the five documentary features are directed by people of color. You've got um, 13. I Am Not Your Negro Rao Peck. You have Life Animated uh, Roger Ross Williams, OJ Made in America, Ezra Edelman, and 13th Ava DuVernay. That's great. And also, there's some. I'm so glad to see Rao Peck's film in there. I Am Not Your Negro is a great cine, cinematic kind of essay of sorts, which isn't always the kind of thing to get showcased in this category. And some people thought the momentum had slowed or that 13th, which deals with some of the similar issues of racism in I America. I didn't know they would put all of them in. So yeah. I actually took 13th out and yeah. I knew they'd put a woman in somewhere. I thought it might be camera person. Right. 
but this is obviously more mainstream. Camera person, in retrospect, it was almost too good to be true. Yeah, maybe that experimental, even with the support of so many. No, I see that now too. I understand what you're saying, but it had done so well; it had won the uh, cinema honors. Right. Although the Fire at Sea is a pretty complex, sort of formally daring movie, and and it's about recognizing that that he's a one man band with his, you know, he shoots at himself and everything, and that's the only foreign film. And it was also the the Italian. Oscar submission. Right. So that that's a neat one. I mean, honestly, if you watch all of the movies in this category, you will either learn something or find yourself just impressed by the creativity of the films. So. But the controversy over OJ uh, continues. It's a very. I, I think what happened. This is a very. I knew it would get nominated, um, and I think it'll probably win because if you actually watch it, if you actually sit through it, it's hard to deny uh, how great it is. Um, but I think it's been tough for Ezra. It's, there's a lot He's of sick of answering that question, and you can tell. Yeah, and then, you know, it's, it's, is it really TV? Is it right. really episodic? I don't think it is, but people are upset about it. I think this is going to be a new normal, though, right? I mean, Amir Barlev, a great documentarian, is at Sundance this year with his four-hour Grateful Dead documentary. Did you which go to that? No, I couldn't went, do it. You After three finally. hours of sleep yeah. in between Get Out and getting up at 6 a.m. for the Oscar nominations, I... Just could, did not have the stamina, but I think based on reactions that it is a movie that will stick around, so I wonder if this may be a recurring issue now with the whole series well, versus features. Well, some people think they're going to change the rules, which will be very interesting, because you do have a situation where there's considerable overlap between yep. the Emmys and the Oscars, and it, it, the Oscars, I mean, if they make some kind of claim in terms of what the definitions of a movie are based on its theatrical uh Right, how it's Play. consumed. These things are all backed by television. Uh, yeah, so many do- great documentaries and, and work in TV. Amy is a rare exception, and and they only are in theaters in order to qualify for the yeah. Oscars. I mean, Thirteenth was a Netflix thing. Come on. <laughs> all right, then so let's we talk have about animation. animation. So Kubo and the Two Strings also got nominated for visual effects, which is a very rare thing. It's only happened once before. With a Tim Burton uh, stop motion Corp, movie, Corpse Bride. Yeah, and then you have Moana, which also got um, "How Far I'll Go" best song for uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, who Here could win because there's two La La Land songs and they could split. I love the concept of an egot. It's so hilarious. So I'm, I'm really people may for want that him to one. have it. You know. <laughs> then you have "My Life Is a Zucchini," which that is also nice. the Swiss entry stop motion. Written by a great French filmmaker, Celine Sciamma. So that was neat to see that sort of, you know, reminding people that this category doesn't just have to showcase whatever Disney and other studios put forward. You know, also The Red Turtle, one of my highlights from Cannes last year. I love that film, and it's in 2D. I'm so glad that got in. And then the one that will probably win is Zootopia, which... If we're talking about our diversity agenda here, um, yeah. became a blockbuster all over the world, partly because of its assault on racism yeah. in all its forms via the animal kingdom. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's not a perfect movie, but it does provide the perfect template for talking to a small child about racism. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's enough if one assumes that if indeed... It, it wins that that would have to be folded into the speech and could be a bigger talking point for the night than anything else. So maybe we should uh, turn to the big the big kahuna here with Best Picture. Well, and, I have uh, a theory, which is that basically, yes, of course, La La Land is the front runner. But what happens is that there's momentum. 
and momentum can turn and change. So what momentum led to 14 nominations? All good, but there are so many examples. Lincoln got 12 nominations, one, two, you know? Right, uh, boyhood. The Revenant got nine nominations, one, three. Um, you know, you can have, uh, you know, something like... Uh, um, American Hustle, just, you know, walk away with almost nothing, or right. a big short. It know. seems like such a diss, you know, and the whole honor to get nominated thing kind of falls away. <laughs> Is Lion going right. to be this year's Weinstein Co.? Six nominations, no wins. Right, right? it could be, it could you know? be. So, so you have, you have, you know, Hacksaw Ridge, is it actually going to win anything? Or, or, or Hell or High Water? It may not happen. It seems unlikely, doesn't it? I mean, for all of those movies that you just mentioned, unless somehow... There's some, you know, second wave of momentum that takes over because of the movies we've been talking about for so long. Well, I don't, you know, it's, 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 un, you know, I don't know how many Lion Hidden Figures, Hacksaw Hell, you know, or even Arrival, I don't know how many they're going to win. The ones that are going to clean up are Moonlight, Manchester, and La La Land, just like we've always said, and Fences will get um, a few. So, so let's suggest that La La Land is duking it out with, Moonlight. Yes. Moonlight could pick up momentum now. It's going to pick up momentum at the box office now. And it's serious. It sends the kind of message that they sent with the nominations. La La Land is a little white bread, a little escapist, it, it, a little a frivolous. Little bit, it, it totally is white bread. I mean, did you see that great SNL sketch with Aziz Ansari where he gets interrogated for the crime of not liking La La Land enough? But he likes Moonlight, and the cops are just sort of like, oh, yeah, that looks good. And then they, admit, <laughs> they haven't seen it. But I do re remember how we were talking about this with the year of 12 Years a Slave, how, I mean, not to really compare 12 Years a Slave and Moonlight in some direct Actually, way. Actually, I think they are comparable because they have to be taken home. They have to be taken home. You have to choose to watch them. And eight, no, I mean by the distributor. I mean the distributor has to do everything right between now. Oh, yes. They have to have a strategy. They have to have a narrative. They have to have a narrative that everybody buys. It's a, it's, about, it's a sell job. Right. The movie is there. Right. But it's a question of getting people to see it. They have to be into it, too. I mean, it, it is a harder sell than 12 Years a Slave for, I think, other reasons in the sense that it's a gorgeous movie. It's not a traditional narrative experience. I mean, this is a guy who was inspired by Ho Shao Shen and people like that. It's a sweeping uh, cinematic tone poem, in a way. Although, 12 Years a Slave was made by an installation artist, so I guess... I you think know, they're very comparable. I think, I think they're you know, essentially they are independent art films that were platformed that now have to become more mainstream. And the question is whether that can happen. And they did it with 12 Years a Slave. It became a must see. Even if you didn't want to go through the experience, you had to do it. And it was worth it. Most and, people would agree. And Moonlight. But the other thing on Moonlight, though, um, to talk about the steak eaters in the Academy that didn't vote for Brokeback Mountain for Best Picture. Um, there's still some of those left. Yeah. How so, long is it going to take for them to die off so we can start talking about movies and not worry about some it's other a corruptive slow force? process. <laughs> we need a generational shift. Although it does seem like it's kind of happening. I mean, although I don't think best or hidden figures belongs in the best picture list. I mean, you just look at all these titles and it does represent a better range of options. So that, that does give me hope on some level that, you know, at least when you watch the Oscars, you will be seeing a better representation of what, American movies are right now and what we're looking for. 
and I do hope that Moonlight picks up the traction as you as you're saying, partly because while I don't dislike La La Land, it's almost like it's already won in a way. I mean, it I became know. such a it, talking you point. You could argue that it has peaked, um, and and now you know it's it's going to have to. You know what it really is? It's a question: Does it sustain the momentum well enough so that Moonlight can't catch up with it? So. Moving on from Oscar nominations, I feel like we need to bring people up to speed a little bit because when we did our, our recording, the deep freeze um, last week in the in the Kickstarter house, uh, we were uh, not totally cognizant of some of the other deals around the corner, and uh, a, a few other big things have happened since we last spoke. Uh, Fox Searchlight picking up patty cakes was an interesting surprise of sorts, given that while this really enjoyable movie, I would say the best movie about hip hop since Hustle and Flow. Uh, plays well. It has no stars, and it seems like unless you get some serious momentum going around just how how much of a must-see it is for so many people, spending upwards of $10 million or over $10 million on it is a pretty dramatic choice by the studio. Well, they, so, want, they went after The Big Sick, which was the big number one title that everybody wanted, and they didn't get it. Amazon got it. So uh, I, I'm imagining this was their second choice. You know, we're going to either buy this or we're going to, if we don't get that, we're going to buy this. It was the other big crowd right. pleaser. Of right. Sorts. And it is a crowd pleaser. It's utterly entertaining. The music's so great. Hugely fun. And this girl is amazing. Uh, she she was in this Amy Berg movie that I saw a while ago. She's an Australian actress. Right, which you would never guess watching this movie. I What's mean, her name? Do you remember Danielle McDonald. Thank you. Thank you, know, you. People will be talking about that performance opposite Bridget Everett, a great figure of the uh, underground New York theater world, finally, you know, taking up uh, her And Kathy Moriarty yeah. of Raging Bull fame, uh, who I, I just got a big kick out of, of running into her, uh, who's great in it as her grandmother. So overall, it's been a really healthy marketplace at Sundance, and I'm 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 very impressed that in that sense that we have uh, that we've seen, uh, you know, so many movies finding places to go beyond Sundance and people who are really spending good money on them. I'm sure. Well, that, Netflix is going wild with the documentaries. Yeah, per usual, that's just sort of been standard. And for a while. but then Fox Searchlight stepped up and spent 4.5 on Step Step, which um, apparently may may end up being remade or, or, or to going to go to Broadway or right. whatever beyond its its theatrical life. So I don't feel like I need to sound a note of despair at this point. Oh no, this it. could be one of the biggest markets <laughs> yeah. in Sundance history. It's pretty impressive. It was also one of the biggest snowstorms in Sundance history, so something has to make up for the slog. In any case, we've got a few more days left here, and we don't know at the time of recording what's going to win top prizes and so forth, so we can reconvene next week, hopefully from the warmer confines of, of our own homes, and uh, do a final review, and then look ahead to where the Oscar race is in the next couple of weeks. You got it. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.